The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Well, hello, everybody. Good Sunday to everyone. Hope you guys are doing well. Welcome to this special second weekend edition of Fantasy NBA Today. I say second weekend because we did it you know, first weekend of October as well. 31 shows in 31 days here in this wild month of October. We'll go back to weekdays starting in November. I actually probably should have looked ahead to see what that actually means. Oh, boy. The last two days of October, that's a weekend. Oh my goodness, this month started with a weekend and ends with a weekend. What have I done? All right, well, it's possible, it's possible we might not do shows on the 30th and 31st. I didn't look that far ahead because then it rolls right into the next week, but we might still do it. Uh, I'm Dan Bespris, your host here on Fantasy NBA Today. This is a hoop ball presentation, and because it's a special Sunday show, we're going to just launch right into our interview today with the great Alex Ricklein. We'll be talking to him here in about 20 seconds. Just want to give you guys quickly, you can find me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Hoopball is hoop-ball.com. They are on Twitter at Hoopball Fantasy. Let's do it. I don't know what to say, man. I went into this mock draft thinking, okay, well, I know how this is going to go. And then our guest today, Alex Rickling, threw me not even a curveball. This was like straight up screwball on our nine cat roto mock but before we dive into that what's up dude how you been i'm good man i'm excited for the season um um very much ready to look past some disappointing fantasy football drafts and uh, <laughs> <laughs> get back to the sport that i'm better at <laughs> i don't do football i've i've considered it so many times and i thought i might dabble it wouldn't even it wouldn't be as an expert obviously it would be as a, a goofball player because we now have a, a football show i thought i can listen to our football show but i don't know i just i really needed whatever few months the nba has given us of off season the last two years and ultimately i didn't do it so i don't know you could tell me anything you did in football and i'd say that sounds great so who's someone <laughs> who's someone you took um the, the pick I've, I've that's been probably the best for me so far as uh hawkinson that sounds great i don't know who that is but that sounds great (laughs) he's been working out pretty well awesome that sounds great okay let's talk talk basketball so yeah i promised uh you had the sixth pick which is actually kind of an interesting spot and you ended up with kevin durant nine count roto with a game's cap does mitigate some of the fears on kd but i don't even want to I'm actually curious more on like a sliding scale, really, because I think that's nobody thinks KD's going to play the full season, but there is the jury's kind of out on how close he gets to it. Where do you think he ends up this year out of 82 games, roughly? Probably around 70, 72 ish. That's not bad at all. Yeah, I don't know why. I, I mean, when you look at the players who have been where it's just load management and not load management plus you know, a four game absent for a hamstring pull and, and whatever. 10, 12 games is kind of how much it tends to be. It just, when you have, you know, someone who is getting load managed and then they have that injury on top of it, that's when you, you start mm. getting into the mid 60s or, or, you know, you get into the 15 to 20 games missed, et cetera. 
but you know if if it's just load management i i don't know why you, i i think 70 plus games is reasonable do you feel comfortable taking him in a head-to-head draft certainly yeah i i i don't worry about games missed nearly as much as me <laughs> most of the rest of the industry i i worry about it for someone like Joel Embiid or Kyrie Irving, who's a constant risk to miss months at a time. Yeah, um, I'll say. But but most of the time, you know, especially in a head-to-head league, I figure if my team can't make the playoffs with one player hurt, then I can't win the championship with that player. So I I, I really focus much more on per game stats than season totals. Do you consider that... on the on the injury front? I know one of the things that I, I I think I probably put more emphasis on not drafting someone who's already hurt as opposed to someone maybe who gets hurt frequently, but you don't really know how that goes. Because if you get off to a hot start in head to head, that sort of opens the yeah. door for a lot of stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I think that you got to be careful not to draft someone currently hurt. Um, that is that is a, a good one uh, that people should do. And I'm not actually as good at it as I should be, but it is something that I at least philosophically agree with. Yeah, it's so tempting because they're falling <laughs> and you're like, oh, maybe, maybe. Yeah. But um, what, who is, I was just looking at someone. Yeah, like Pascal Siaka. Perfect example, he, yeah. He, like he's going to miss the first week, maybe two weeks, hopefully not more. Um and he just seems like such a value. It feels like his ADP is so low, but taking a player who's coming into the season hurt is not the best. Yeah, stuff um, always he's goes like, wrong. He's a trap that I'm 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 struggling with right now. Yeah, I think you just you almost have to turn your brain off in a situation like that because you start to run these numbers in real time. You're like, this could work. He could do this, and this might happen. And then they miss an extra three weeks, and they compensate coming back too soon, and then yeah. they blow out a hammy, and the whole thing comes apart at the seams uh your second pick actually when you did it it was controversial and i don't know that it is anymore uh pick what what is this is this 18 coming back now i've i've lost track of where Uh, we are 18 or 19 yeah 18 or 19 is michael porter jr and when you did it everybody was like "Ooh, right around 20 and then all of a sudden now he's basically going like at 20 so less to talk about on him than if we did this hit a week and a half ago i guess I, i i think it's a bargain actually i i I have him at, you know, in the 12 to 14 range. Um, I, I think that he's fantastic. His numbers after Jamal Murray went down are fantastic. Uh, after Jamal Murray went down, I, I came across this stat while I was writing something on um, Porter the other day. He was two made threes away from 50% from behind the arc for more than a month after Jamal Murray went down. This is one of the best shooters in the in the league. Um, he's entering his third year. I, I, you know, to the moon. Do you think he can keep <laughs> up that that shooting clip? Because it was pretty nuts. He was amazing. I mean, no, I don't. I'm not predicting 50 percent from behind the arc for anyone, <laughs> or but... just even even the overall breadth of it. Because over the season, he shot 54 percent from the field with yeah. almost three threes per game. That's almost unheard of. I. 50 and 40, I think, are kind of realistic. I, I don't feel like I'm being bold expecting 50% from the field and 40% behind the arc from Michael Porter Jr. That feels like a median projection. That does not feel like 
I, yeah. I don't you, think that's a reach at all. You know, I said I wasn't going to talk about every player you drafted, but I feel like there's a story behind almost every player. So I, <laughs> But I do want to jump over the third rounder. You took Booker at 30, which I think is... Like, there are a lot of discussions on Devin Booker, but the fact that he's not going in the first round, things have, have sort of compensated, and I don't know that there's a big argument happening that he is going later, and that's fine. Robert yeah. Williams, Time Lord at 43. I'd, I'd rather pause on this one because he's one of those guys where, like, what I'm seeing isn't matching what the data is telling me in terms of where he's getting drafted. Every draft that I've watched or been a part of He's gone in the 40s, and Yahoo's telling me his ADP is in the mid-50s. What's real? By the way, I, I don't even know if I appropriately introduced you, but I'm going to do that after this break. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah, I'm really confused on that, too. For that same article, I was, I, I was, I was writing an article uh, up right now on Rotowire um, uh, about ADP surprises, and Robert Williams is one of the ones who surprised me. Um, he's... His ADP on CBS is like in the hundreds. Um, what? His AD, his yeah, I mean default ranks are relevant. Uh, and his ADP on Yahoo and ESPN is sixty is sixty and sixty two. Wow. Uh, at least as of as of today. Um, so he's going all over the place. I agree with you. All the drafts I've been in, the latest I've seen him go is the mid fifth, and this is the mid fourth. I I think that. I, I think that he is a relatively safe value here. The only risk I think is, is the injury. He was one of the league leaders in blocks and among good shot blockers, he's as good as it gets in steals. Um, and that was in 19 minutes a game. He's now the starting center. They got rid of both Tice and Tristan Thompson. They replaced him with Horford who plays a lot of four and isn't going to have, uh, you know, the same 30 minutes a game he had a couple of years ago. Robert Williams is the starting center. I don't, I would be shocked if he plays less than 24 minutes a game. And at that point, he's amongst the lead leaders in, you know, stocks, so, you know, steals plus box. Um, combine them, he's, he, he's going to be at the top. I don't know that he'll be number one, but he'll, he's going to be right among the lead leaders. Uh, he's, he shoots like DeAndre Jordan in his prime, not quite as good a rebounder, unfortunately, but, um, you know, he's bad at free throws, but he takes so few of them and it almost doesn't matter. Um, he, you know, he, he limits you strategically. And that's actually one of the things that I think I did poorly in this draft is, you know, I'm happy with the value I got on Robert Williams, but I, he sort of directs you in some ways strategically, and I'm not sure I really maximized that. Mm, I, w- I want to know more on that. Uh, before you answer my follow-up question on the Time Lord, I am, of course, talking to the great Alex Rickling, who I did not say <laughs> at, the, at the front end of the podcast, like a marvelous host that I am. But the beauty of audio editing is that I can actually introduce you before this clip runs. So... <laughs> Guy pointing at head dot gif for the win at Rick Lean on Twitter R I K L E E N. What do you Thanks mean? Thanks for by... having me. Good to be yeah, back. Yeah, I, <laughs> I did ask how you were doing, but I didn't say who you were. <laughs> so that's pretty awesome by me. Uh, so what do you mean when you say it? Kind of, it sort of like forced you into a particular position by taking him here. Well, so Robert Williams is a. I mean, in the top five rounds, I don't. Where did um. 
Where did Draymond go? Is Draymond going in the top five rounds? I think it, I took him. I think that's me, actually, but I don't remember where. It was either fifth or sixth. Yeah, so depend. I mean, it's going to be a close competition between Time Lord and Draymond for the least points scored amongst people taken in the top five rounds. Um, I know, love that. Gonna... I love that team, by the way. That's the best <laughs> Brazil star team. <laughs> yeah, they're going to really go head to head. And so, you know, the way I went into this with Durant and Porter and Booker was I was thinking, all right, I'll get a, ton- a bunch of points to front load it. And then I'll have Robert Williams and I'll be able to survive that by focusing so much on points with my other picks. But then I took Simmons. Then I took Jeremy Grant, who in order for Jeremy Grant to actually be helpful in points, he's got to maintain um, some of the shooting efficiency that I'm not sure he's going to maintain. We're probably going to talk about him in a minute. Um, I, I, I think that I started you know, a build that incorporates Robert Williams pretty well, but it kind of fell apart late. And so I'm worried, you know, am I punting points? Am I not, am I punting points with three of the best scorers in the league? That's stupid. Or am I, um, you know, do I have enough defensive help in it to make it so that I'm not thrilled with how the team came together (laughs) from a team building standpoint. I, I really, I, I don't like the middle and the middle of my draft. I, I'm I'm disappointed in my. Well, you can board. talk more about it if you like. You can you can jump to Jeremy sure. Grant. Grant, by the way, was at 78. Simmons was 67. Jaw was 54. You got scoring there, although we know Jaw has other stuff that doesn't quite translate. It's the weirdest thing. Does anybody have the biggest gap between how they look on the floor and what their fantasy stuff looks like? Yeah, I know, right? He his nine cat ranks were outside the top 200 last year. Yeah, it's insane. And this is a really good <laughs> basketball player. Great. And and he's not, you should draft him. He's not <laughs> outside the top 200. Um, but just the way the math works on those ranking systems, uh, his turnovers and some of the other stuff really drove him down. But um, yeah, I mean, that Jaws, another one. I, I think I got solid value there in the mid-fifth. But am I punting assists or am I not punting assists? What's happening here? Um, I, I, I don't love the, I don't love the way the pieces fit together, even though I think mm. with both of these players and, and with my next pick, I got good value with Ben Simmons in the sixth round, even if you know, it, there's a chance he misses the whole season. This draft started a while ago. I was probably taking Ben Simmons, um, when there was a little more optimism for a trade. Uh, but if Ben Simmons plays, he's, he's better than a mid sixth round pick. Where do you, yeah, I don't have a clue where that dude ends up. I'm lost. I'm in a fog. Yeah. I have no idea. Uh I don't think I don't think I could draft him as things currently stand, but we didn't this yeah. this draft started like 2 weeks ago now. It was a very long slow draft. I wanted to make sure it was zero pressure. I turned yeah. the clock off when pretty much anybody was sleeping. So there were like 5 hours when everybody in the US and on the other side of the Pacific were awake. And so it took a while, and then the Simmons stuff broke, and I honestly don't remember when things shook out. But we can talk about Jeremy Grant, actually, because he's won. He had such a brilliant first half last year and then just completely ran out of gas. Who is he this season? Yeah. Is he the first half Jeremy, second half, or like some in-between? Because they do have some younger guys there that are going to play more this year. They actually have one older guy who is one of my favorite older guys, but that doesn't really have anything to do with Grant. <laughs> um, so what, what Grant are we getting? Yeah, this is, 
I, I feel safe saying this is my worst pick of the draft. And there, um, had we done this draft a little bit later, I just, I wouldn't have taken him. How come? I, I think, I think I reached for him. Um, and I hadn't, I hadn't done enough of my deep dive on Grant to really, to, to realize how much I, I felt that. Um, I, you know, I think that w- he's either going to have, you know, a similar high usage, in which case, you know, his percentage points are going to really hurt, or some of, some of these new players coming in are going to cut into his usage rate. In either case, he's going to have a really hard time repeating 22 points a game. Um, and I don't think I'd fully really internalize that when we got to this point in the draft. Hmm. Um, you know, where where's his um, trying to find trying to pull up his splits, his um, before and after all star breaks. Splits. It was it was great and ugly. That was yeah. like he was top 30, 35 range. And then after it was like 160, I think, because he was shooting high volume, like 39 percent over a long stretch. Yeah. Um, it was weird. I got it. I got it uh, right here. Perfect. Um, yeah, pre All Star. Um, pre All Star, he had his points fell off, and and you know he fell off not exactly at the All Star break. So so this isn't co- totally catching it, but his points fell off by almost four points a game. Um, his rebounds fell off by two rebounds a game. That's terrifying. His assists fell off a little bit. His steals fell off by almost by zero point three steals per game. Um, just drops across the board. Um, his three point percentage fell off meaningfully. I, everything sort of fell apart the second half of the year. And now that they've got a little bit more young talent around him, uh, I, I am concerned. I I don't think we're going to see. I don't know that it's going to be as bad as it got towards the end of last season. But I don't think it's going to be anywhere near as good as the first half of last season. And to draft him in the mid-seventh, it's got to be at least close to what he was doing at the start of last year, and I, I don't. Yeah, he, I'm I'm a bit torn on him, but I do kind of keep falling back on this idea that there isn't much in the way of ceiling that we didn't see last year and then take away some of that usage. So what is the ceiling? And then we did see this weird floor fallout. Uh, yeah. But at the same time, if he's somewhere in between, this isn't, I don't know that this is a horrid pick. I think it's just sort of kind of bleh, which is weird. And then we ended up <laughs> talking about it a while. It's like, and this is the one you wouldn't talk about. And they were like, eh, maybe we should talk about it because no well, one's talking about know. Jeremy Grant. I think it's, oh, I, I, I mean, you ask your listeners, but I think it's useful to have someone who like, you know, does this for a living, come on and say, hey, I made a mistake and here's <laughs> why I, you know. And, and, you know, and I've thought about it more and I've realized that, no, I did this wrong. And, and let me help you try to avoid that. All right. Um, Fair enough. I, I, hopefully your listeners will agree. But uh, I, I think that I think that that was a miss on my part. All right. Fair enough. Larry Nance at 91, one of my favorite Roto guys in uh, a new spot. We don't fully know his role, but it does seem like there is an opportunity there. My issue with him is he can't make it through a damn season healthy. Otherwise, yeah. I adore everything about Larry Nance. Uh, I've been on the Nance bandwagon for a long time and he keeps pissing me off with these knee and ankle and whatever stuff yeah. going on. I guess you kind of like, if you take him around a hundred is 91 was the number here. 
And again, Roto Games cap, even if he gives you like 55 really good ball games, it's not going to break you because this is your eighth round pick. So I don't know if you were going to uh, applaud yourself or kill yourself for this one, but I actually like no, it. I, I like this one. I, I, this, I like this one, and I like Nance on a team with Robert Williams if you're leaning into the points punt, which I'm not sure if I am or not. Um, so, you know, strategically, <laughs> I'm not sure if it fits with the, with the team. But as a pick in a vacuum, I think Larry Nance at 91 is totally solid value, maybe even better than that. Um, the, I, you know, there's a lot of positive buzz coming out of the, um, coming out of Portland that Anthony Simons is probably ready, is ready to take a leap. You know, I feel like we've heard that story before. Uh, I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, I, I just, I'm ready to sort of close the book on that one and say he's a <laughs> solid He's a solid backup point guard for 12 minutes a night when yep. he's not even ma- the main ball hander because CJ McCollum's doing it. I agree. Uh, but but I'm not sure that we should expect any more than that. Um, and, you know, the Raptors do have kind of an abundance of big men all of a sudden, but I think Nance is better than Cody Zeller. Uh, Zeller and Nurkic both have injury problems of their own, so the odds that both of them are healthy all the time, not necessarily a given. Oh yeah, for Um, sure. The Cody Zeller story is 11 healthy games and, and then two weeks off. It's been that way for years now. And, and depending on how they try to set it up, both Larry Nance and um, Robert Covington, they can both play small forward or power forward. Larry Nance can go up to center. So there's a lot of opportunity, I think, I, you know, I think that this the Portland depth chart does look better than it did last year, but I don't think it looks a lot better than it did last year. And I think that Nance is going to be asked to fill a really meaningful role, uh, you know, 25 minutes a game, hopefully maybe a touch more than that. And he's shown that he can give you some some rebounds, good defensive stats, some assists from a weird position and a weird time in the draft. You know, he's not yeah. great at, you know, uh, what what's the say, it's phrase? Master of none, but good at a whole bunch of yeah, stuff. Yeah, jack, jack of many trades, master of none. Yeah, there you go. I totally butchered that. But he's that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he's that. And especially, I mean, this was eight cat, but especially in nine cat, he's, a, I think, a really solid late pick. Yeah, I agree. Um, I want to lump your last four together because I think once you clear... Sometimes even earlier, but you got Nance, who I think is a relatively safe producer where you got him. Uh, some people start kind of taking flyer shots in the 90s. You you started taking your guys that are maybe a little bit more like question mark with upside yeah. after 100. So 9, 10, 11, and 12. DeAndre Hunter, Nick Claxton, uh, Davian Mitchell, and I'm going to butcher this one. But I think I heard you and, and Alan say it. Is it Alperin Shengun? That, I believe that's right. Uh, I'm not an expert, but I believe that that is correct. So talk me through those four guys, because two of them are rookies, which means, you know, I've never heard of them. And the other two, (laughs) the other two, at least I've heard of. (laughs) So, I mean, you've, you've heard my spiel before that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm quote team, never rookie. Uh, I think you should almost never draft a rookie before pick 100. And then you should draft almost as many as you can after pick 100. Uh, assuming a standard league, I think that, Rookies have the best upside in drafts, but the fantasy community's hit rate on figuring out which rookies will hit and which won't is dreadful. 
Uh, so I passed on, you know, Jalen Green, who went two picks after Larry Nance. That could look real bad. I kind of like Jalen Green. If you forced me to take an early rookie, he'd be the one I took. Um, but it was a little before I wanted to start going in on rookies. But once you start getting late, Davion Mitchell, Shen Goon, I think that both of them have a ton of potential. And um, one thing that, you, you know, we got to keep in mind, hopefully you can push off your draft as late as possible. But the Kings are a potential landing spot for Ben Simmons. If that happens, you got to assume some of the Kings um, suddenly really deep backcourt back gets shipped out and um, opening up a little extra minutes for Davion Mitchell, who was a draft prospect that I really liked and think can contribute right away. Uh, and Shengun, people keep comparing him to a smaller Jokic in terms of the way in which he is a sort of big man, but a, a very capable and willing passer with great vision. Um, you know, obviously the parallel isn't perfect. One is a rookie who didn't even go in the lottery and the other is the MVP. But <laughs> that's the analogy that keeps coming up. And I don't think that this is a lot of the time rookies get comped to, you know, the European guy gets compared to the European guy, um, the white big man from Duke or North Carolina gets compared to the white big man from Duke or North Carolina. I don't think that this is just a sort of uh, case where you've got the European center being compared to a European center. I, I, I see you're, you're not the what... first, by the way. You're not the first. Uh, yeah. Mike Barner, Jonas Nader both brought him up as the guy that they wish had fallen to them in this draft that you got. So you were coveted, sir. Yeah. Oh, great. Um, I, I think that, and, and it's my last pick. I mean, this is waiver fodder. If he doesn't hit, I can drop him. Um, but I think that he, I think he actually has more upside than Davion Mitchell. I just thought that Mitchell was going to get drafted quicker at this point. I think, I think the market's coming around to Shengun and I would probably, bump him up to the 11th or maybe even the 10th round if you want him. But at the time we were doing this, I thought there was a little bit more buzz around Davion Mitchell. So I took him first and was able to get both of them. Who, um, who did you want in this draft that didn't get to you in this late area? Cause it seems like you got actually a couple of the guys you wanted there. I, I did. Um, I actually, I, in the closing rounds, I got pretty much all of my primary targets. I'm looking for, through yeah i mean i would have liked josh giddy but i but josh giddy was my backup to shengun um so I, I got the one i actually wanted um daniel gafford went a couple picks before deandre hunter that strikes me as a uh, really good value um and larry nance went uh the, went two picks three picks after norman powell and four picks after Buddy Heald. I think that those are two steals in the eighth round. Hey, I think that one of those was me. I think. Uh, I think I got power. Yeah, one of those was you, and the oh, other was, was nice. Tatron. Um, I think that those are. I think those are really, really great picks in the eighth round. Uh, so I think that those are guys I missed at. But, but the ones that I actually, I think the ones I actually missed on 
The, the one I'm, I'm most upset about was Bogdan Bogdanovich in the seventh round who went one pick before Jeremy Grant. Really? Uh, Interesting. Okay. Talk, yeah. talk me through that one because I missed on him bad last year. I did not think he was going to be as good as he was. And I've had some people say, well, there's no way he can keep up the shooting clip he had late in the year. And I thought, yeah, that's fine. I don't need him to be top 50. He's going near 80 in most drafts or later, right. which feels like that's that's I, the, okay, well, if you're going to make me do it, and I'll yeah, take him. feels like a, a total steal that late. I, I mean, it, I think it's important to remember that he – so the the Hawks – the Hawks wing are loaded at the wing with DeAndre Hunter, who I drafted a little bit later, Kevin Herter, who if Kevin, if, if you can find a team where Kevin Herter is playing 28 minutes a game, he's a top 100 fantasy asset. He, he can produce. The problem is he's just not as good at real basketball as Hunter or Bogdanovich and, or some of these other <laughs> players around him or Gallinari even when Gallinari is healthy. Yeah, I remember that there was a stretch with a there was a stretch with Herter where he was like the backup point guard because X mm. number of players were out. And that was this weird little three week pocket where he was quite good in fantasy. And then Trey came back and he didn't get to pass yeah. anymore. And it all went right out the window. Yeah. Um, but, and, you know, and they've got Cam Reddish, who we learned can play. I, this team has a lot of of wing depth and they were better when Bogdan Bogdanovich was playing, which I think is relevant. And I think it's also important that the way in which they prioritized working him in, even over some of these other people who were playing well, um, that tells me a lot about how they value him in what is a crowded depth chart. Uh, and the fact that he came back, he was still sort of work, working through that injury. Um, you know, he missed the first two months of the season. He only played for the, the next month. He was only averaging 23 minutes a game. So he wasn't even fully healthy. I, I think that, sure, maybe, you know, his, his 47% from the field last year was a career high. Maybe he has difficulty completely repeating that. Um but, you know, he, he shot 39% from three as a rookie. It's not like this guy is a schlub shooter. He's a really good shooter. And he can produce in a lot of areas. And I think that I think that he was still hampered by injury throughout most of last season. And I'm excited to see what happens when he's a little bit more healthy. All right. You're free to leave the hot seat. Was it... <laughs> I think it was probably okay. I I, I tried to cool yeah. it off actually before you got in there. Um, any other like general draft strategy things? I've been kicking around this late second round dilemma for some time. You got a solution for me out there? Well, for auction leagues, I think I always um, I always sort of target the the fatty middle in auction drafts. Right. And this year I'm actually going to go away from that in auctions. I think that there is a bit of a drop off after the top 18. And this year, more than any, I want to spend up as much as it takes, get three people in the top 18, and then just try to <laughs> snag enough four, five, six dollar players to fill up the rest of my roster. Hmm. There's probably going to be some good players there. I, I think that the 
late the late second round looks like third round uh the fourth round looks like a fifth round and the sixth and seventh round is scary um but you know to the i think you asked sorry that's a little off topic the the to the question of what to do about the at the end of the second round i actually think that as much as i don't like the players after the top 18 I don't have a completely overlapping top 18 as everyone else. And so I do think that there is still some value in the late second, um, as long as you sort of, you know, look at my ranks and not everyone else's. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, that's, I, I'm, I'm being flipped, but, you know, Bam Adebayo's ADP is 22. That's, yeah, that's, that's, that's dumb. That's a little too low. Um, um Zion Williamson's ADP is 18. That is a wasted pick at 18. Let your teammates do, let your league mates do that and take advantage of, uh, you know, a free spot above. Michael Porter Jr. is often around that late. Um, So just to run through, I think everyone knows we're pretty much set on the top 10. Let me take it from after Luka Doncic, my next seven or so who I think are in that draftable top 18. I've got Michael Porter Jr., Paul George, Jimmy Butler, Fred Van Vliet, Bam Adebayo, Trey Young, and DeMontis Sabonis. I, I think there's a good shot at least one or two of those is a, is there through the end of the second round. So, Yeah, Sabonis you know, is probably your best your best bet there, I think. I, I think so, but I, it will also depend a little bit on what your host site is. Um, Sabonis is kind of high on CBS's ranks. They're a little bit lower. Oh yeah. Yeah. It it depends a little bit where you're playing, but I, you know, I think that there's enough sort of freewheeling going on around the league that there's a good shot that one of those guys is there for you. So hopefully one of those guys will get you through. Um, and if not, you know, you can always go with Devin Booker or LeBron James. It's a little early for them in the late second, but they, they can produce. Alex, thank you as always, man. This is always a pleasure. I know, and and thank you for pull back the curtain a little bit. Thanks for staying up late to uh, to do a hit in <laughs> evening Pacific time, and you are decidedly not on Pacific time. You are the best. Well, thanks. It was uh, a joy to have. I'm I'm just sad we didn't spend more time talking about Al Horford. I love you, Al Horford. <laughs> Another love time, Al Horford. We'll Great dedicate pick. one full Whoever hit. Yeah, we'll do one whole segment just on Al Horford next time. He is at Rick Lean on Twitter. R I K L E E N. See, I'm doing it again here because you'll never know. I forgot to do it at the beginning. Wink, wink, nod, nod. <laughs> thanks again, Alex. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for having me. See ya. Big thank you once again to the great Alex Rickling. Love talking to that dude. We talk, I've had him on the show a few times now. It's been, it's been a few. This was an interesting one because he, he took kind of a different draft strategy than usual. And as always, does a hell of a job of presenting his case. Always. He's at Rickling on Twitter. Again, you can follow him there. I am at Dan Bespris on Twitter, just to remind you guys very quickly. And once again, reminder, the Brewski 150 is available now to all B-150 solo buyers, and Fantasy Pass subscribers. So go help us power the machine by heading to hoop-ball.com, clicking on the premium tab, and getting either a Fantasy Pass subscription or the Brewski 150. Once you get them, make sure you join our Discord, which I know terrifies many of you, but it's really just a fancy name for a bunch of chat rooms 
one of which is an Ask the Pros room where you can bug hoop ball analysts day and night. We got folks here in the States, Australia, uh, basically what I should say is on both sides of the Pacific because Philippines also. So we got you covered. There's pretty much someone awake at hoop ball 24 hours a day. Another great reason. I think access is probably the easy way to describe it. I don't know that anybody is going to jump ahead of HoopBall in access in the premium subscription. Uh, one more reminder here. The hockey season begins. Normally, I wouldn't care, except our buddies over at mybookie.ag have a $25 odds boost, where if anybody scores in a game, you win it. It's basically a free $25. All you have to do is make sure you're actually betting $25 on it, and then you get actual cash winnings. I will not rest until all of you are getting $25 for doing next to nothing. If you have questions, hit me up. If you need to sign up over there, make sure to use promo code HOOPBALL on the third page of sign up so they know who sent you. And again, if you're running into any troubles, I'm more than happy to help you out. Just bug me on social media. We'll continue to chit-chat over there. Coming up over the next week, we will talk to Jonas Nader, Air Bruski, Josh Lloyd, among others. I will also have some real draft results we can begin to cover here on Fantasy NBA Today. Slightly shorter show here on Sunday. Once again, a big thank you to Alex Rickling. This is Fantasy NBA Today. Drop a review on this thing. I didn't have time to read any new ones on uh, today's show, but if you have a few seconds, please rate and review this the podcast. And uh, maybe it's just a thank you for me doing 31 dumb shows in 31 stupid days. Oh, boy. Have a great conclusion to your weekend. We'll talk to you tomorrow on Monday. So long. This has been a Hoop Ball presentation.